You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, no Uriah yet again, hopefully he'll be able to join us for the next podcast, but Chris, we got Game 4 reaction, predictions for Game 5, not... Not too much to talk about here in terms of actual subject matter, but in, in terms of analysis, we do have a decent amount to get into, right? Yeah. Um, so naturally, the Sixers come into the game up 3-0. We have that poetic, beautiful moment with Joel hitting the game winner in Game 3. They seem to have all the momentum. Toronto is down players. And naturally, the Sixers just sleepwalk pretty much the entire game in game four they were within striking distance pretty much the whole time i don't think toronto played particularly well lucas but Mm -hmm. they just kind of laid an egg which is very much a sixers thing um you know you could point to like the broader trend of doc rivers teams not always closing out series particularly well but for whatever reason philly drops game four on the road lucas final score was 110 to 102 in Toronto's favor. Credit to Pascal Siakam, who had 34 points. Gary Trent Jr. had 24. Fred Van Vliet, out the entire second half, apparently had a hip injury. Scotty Barnes returned in this game, played 25 minutes, wasn't really himself. But a big, sad young game off the bench. Chris Boucher had some really nice plays. So did Precious Achua. That Toronto depth really showed out in this game. And, of course, Philly is a team known for its its lack of depth. Um, Lucas, 22-9 and nine for James Harden in this game, 21 for Joel, 11 for Tyrese Maxey, 15 and 11 rebounds for Tobias Harris. What were your broad takeaways from the Sixers game four loss? 
Well, we have to put some context on this game, of course, Chris, because in game three, Joel had the apparent thumb injury. It ends up now that Joel will need an, will eventually need surgery on that. There is a torn ligament there. That certainly does not help his case. He went seven of 16, so not terrible shooting, but it's clear that he struggled in, with his turnovers, five turnovers, and just could not get into a you know, the being able to be dominant like he had been. So that's one to consider. I don't think this is a bad Tobias game. Pretty solid shooting, good defense yet again. Danny Green was a non-factor, two of seven from deep, six points. Maxi looked like a second-year, you know, point guard in the playoffs with, you know, 11 points on 12 shots. Still had six rebounds, six assists, low turnovers, one turnover. Yet again, Chris, this was a bad shooting night for James Harden. He had 22 points, but on 5 of 17 shooting, most of his points came from the foul line, going 10 of 11 there. The bench played great. I, You know what? I'm going to give your guy Paul Reed some love here, Chris, because he had two three-pointers in that game, and I know how much you've been waiting for him to let it rip. I don't think Jake Milne played bad, seven points in 15 minutes. Yang had nine points in 22 minutes. All three of those guys were pretty efficient scoring-wise. So I, I don't think the bench played bad at all. It's just the starters struggled. I mean, Toronto does have defenders, and I, I, I don't think either one of us anticipated a sweep. Uh, obviously, we were both pessimistic before this you know, started, but even Uriah, who was the positive person said that they would get one on the road. And uh, I mean, that they would lose one on the road. I think he said in five could very well be the case here. We expect Maxi to have a bounce back game thing. Same thing with Harden. I, I, I'm not like, I, I think hoping for a sweep was optimistic. I mean, even the Golden State Warriors who were up three Oh on the Denver Nuggets, the Nuggets were able to squeeze out a win at home today. We're recording on Sunday, of course. So I, I'm not surprised. I, I mean, would it have been nice? Of course. But I don't think anybody anticipated the Sixers getting clean sweep here before the series started. Yeah, I, I mean, if you told everyone before the series that we'd end up, you know, 3-1 heading back to Philly, most people would have been pretty happy with that. Um Sixers are still very much in the driver's seat. Um, yeah, there's no reason to panic. I, I do think there were some like bad habits that Philly fell back into. Obviously, the Embiid injury is like the big pervasive storyline here, and rightfully so, because like you said, he just really wasn't as physical and dominant as we're used to seeing him. He had three rebounds through the first three quarters. Like He just wasn't getting on the glass like we're used to. His defense wasn't quite as active and impactful as we're used to the five turnovers. Some of his passes just got away from him. Now he had a couple miscommunications with shake that were probably more shakes fault. Yeah. Him, yeah. That those, those back see, cause Joel was going to hit jo- shake twice on three pointers yeah. and shake tried to do a back cut, which I mean, that's just mis- like you said, miscommunication. Yeah. But even beyond that, a couple errant passes from Joel and he, you're right, he picked up his shooting a bit in like the second and third quarter, but he got off to an 0 for 5 start. And then in the fourth quarter, he just went missing. And again, like credit to him for getting it out through the injury. I saw on Twitter today that this is like the same injury that kept Bam out of bio out for seven weeks this season. Like yes, I saw that too. Clearly getting it out. And um, he deserves credit just for playing and continuing to play. But it's clear that this is going to impact his ball security probably has shot every now and then he's a player who 
plays a lot inside. Teams bring multiple bodies. They swipe at the ball. He's probably going to have that thumb hit at least a few times per game. So it's certainly not ideal. It's something that he's going to have to learn to play with, and it's something that the Sixers are going to have to work around. And when James Harden is having a pretty poor night and Tyrese Maxey is having a pretty poor night on top of Joel dealing with what he's dealing with, the Sixers are pretty much screwed. I mean, credit mm-hmm. to Tobias, who showed up and played really well again. He had five fouls, but Tobias has been, like, the most consistent sixer of this entire series for some reason, which I don't think anyone expected coming into the series. So he deserves a ton of credit for showing up and doing all the little things that he's done. But he, He's becoming the ultimate role player, which, I mean, that's not what you're paying him for, but he's really good at it. Yeah, but when only one of your top four guys shows up, you're probably going to lose the game, especially on yeah. the road. Um. Like the guy George, who's considered the fourth guy, yeah. Yeah. Like, the bench just isn't going to lift you up much. Like you said, this was a pretty great bench performance, relatively speaking, but for all the offense George brings, defenses are just going to go at him every time he's out there. Mm-hmm. He was a minus 13. He yeah. was a minus 13 in this one. One of Shake's better games, and he was, again, responsible for a couple turnovers. Paul Reed, eight minutes. He can only do so much. <laughs> um uh-huh. So I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think we're going to see Maxi struggle in every game. I, I expect Maxi to turn it up once the Sixers get home. I, I still think the Sixers could very easily win the next game and be done with this for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely don't think there's any reason for fans to have any real concern. Now, Philly loses in game five and a lot of the same problems crop up and Toronto wins without, like, Fred Van Bleet, then we can maybe start to sweat it out a little bit. But there's a reason uh-huh. no team has ever come back from down 0-3. It's really hard to win four games straight, um, uh-huh. as we just saw. Because <laughs> Philly couldn't quite pull it off. I don't think Toronto's good enough offensively to win three more in a row. So This I, was I'm an unusual kidding. night shooting for Siakam. He had 34 points, Chris. We don't expect that to happen. Yeah. every. Like, um, Tobias has been pretty good. And think about this, Chris. Sixers only lost in the second and fourth quarter by five points each. The Sixers won the third quarter and tied the first. So, like, five-point difference. The Sixers lost by seven total. It's it's not a bad look. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really not as, as grave as all that. I, I think the beat injury is obviously the big concern here. Like, you had to, like, a Miami series. Um, yeah, I don't don't like think we Joel, get out of that with Embiid's injury, to be honest. Yeah. If Joel isn't himself and he doesn't show improvement in Game 5 and stuff, then it's, it's fair to start worrying because I don't think they're beating Miami if Joel's not near 100%. But this series, mm-hmm. you know, knock on wood, should be pretty close to in the bag. They obviously mm-hmm. need to come out and not sleepwalk mm-hmm. through entire games. They need to, like, show up. But... If they do show up, they've proven they're the better team. So I'm I'm not super concerned about that, Lucas. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about Game 5. Obviously, we're going back home. It's going to be in Philly. Do you think Toronto I expect to buy here? I mean, with the Joel injury, they always have a chance. But, you know, a lot of former players that talk on you know ESPN and whatever – they'll tell you role players play better at home, you know, and the bench looked good. I expect them to look good again. Tyrese Maxey's going to, you know, I, you know, 
11 points. This is probably the worst Maxi game we've seen in the postseason. Like, he's going to do better. I expect Tobias to score more to Danny Green to have a better night shooting. Like, I don't know if James Harden is going to do better, but, like, I expect everybody else to do better. So, I'm not... I think the Sixers... There's a good chance the Sixers win this one uh, just because everybody else is going to... This was an uncharacteristic bad night from, you know, Harden and Maxi and Green. Like, they lost by eight points, Chris. If each one of those guys hit, like, one more shot... Uh, maybe like you know, or you know, one or two more shots each. The Sixers probably won this one. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly it. Like an eight point loss when pretty much all your main guys played poorly. Pascal Siakam went off for thirty four. Toronto is now going to probably have to deal with the fact that Fred VanVleet is either out or even further from one hundred percent than he already was. Scotty didn't quite look right yet. Um. Yeah, so they're going to be big favorites in this game, and they should mm-hmm. be. This this should be the end. I think if they let Game Five slip away, there's going to be plenty of reason for criticism. Like they they should come out and just stomp this out as quickly as possible. They have proven that they're the better team. They're still even with Joel's thing, the healthier team right now. Like this this should uh-huh. not get past Game Five. I would predict that they win Game Five. That would be my expectation. Um, again, not to put anything past the Sixers because they they like to drag things out and make things as hard as possible but this should be a Philly win I agree Maxie's going to play better in front of the home crowd it's two plus no Van plus plus Van, no Van Vliet or an injured Van Vliet that there's literally yeah. nobody else that can check Maxie on that team besides Van Vliet and Van Vliet has been struggling all series long anyway so yeah so I expect Maxie to bounce back I expect Joel I don't know what I expect from Joe. It'll be really fascinating to see what his mentality is coming out of this game. He needs to just be more patient than he was in game four. I, I think he got flustered and rushed quite a bit against some double teams, whether that's because of the thumb and he's worried about it getting hit or if it's just a natural like buildup of different things over the course of a night. Joe was really frustrated. Like They got to Joel in, in game four. It was a bad night for Joel. He had that push on Siakam in the fourth quarter. Like they clearly frustrated Joel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the refs played a part in that too. Like the Sixers were flustered at points in Game Four. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from that. Again, I, I think they're probably going to come out with some sort of vengeance and just get this over with. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. But um, it'll be interesting. Like Joel, Joel's going to have to learn how to play through this this thumb thing. We'll see if he can keep the turnovers down. We'll see how efficient his shooting was. Again, 7 of 16, 43.8% from the field is not super great. Only had nine free throws in this game. Again, some of that you could say was, oh, the refs weren't calling fouls or whatever. But it was really like Joel just wasn't getting to his spots like he normally does. He wasn't forcing contact like he normally does. Um, like I, I don't think this is a game that you could pin on the refs. A lot of people were in the comments on Twitter and stuff, blaming the refs. Like, Sixers just didn't show up. I I, I really don't know how you could spin it any other way. Philly's got to show up. James Harden got to the line 11 times. He otherwise just really wasn't doing much for Philly. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I think you credit Toronto for not rolling over, for still competing and putting together a pretty solid game. And you go home and you win game five. That, That should be the mentality here. 
And that's what I would expect the Sixers to do. For sure, for sure. So, Chris, what other Eastern Conference series uh, do you think are interesting to keep an eye on? We should be noting right now that while we're recording, Miami and Atlanta are playing. And they just they are without Kyle Lowry. But I believe the Hawks now have Clint Capella back, too. So, just an interesting yeah. fact. Obviously, I think it would really benefit Philly if Atlanta could drag out this series to 6-7. or seven. Um, Assuming the Sixers don't let Toronto do that themselves. I, I think Miami's probably going to win in like five or six. I, I don't think the Hawks are actually going to mount much of a run here. They just don't have the defense, I don't think, to, to keep Miami in check. But we'll, we'll see. Um, I think Milwaukee is pretty much put the clamps on, on Chicago. I, I don't think that series is going to go much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's done. But, you know, it's interesting. The Bucks and the, the Celtics and the Nets series, Chris. Now, that one, it was reported that Ben Simmons was going to play for game four. But now it's been reported by Adrian Wojnarowski today. We are recording on Sunday, of course, that Ben Simmons will not play because he experienced back discomfort after yeah. after practicing on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, man, Ben, if I was the Nets, I wouldn't want Ben to come back. Like, what's the point? Why risk anything? You know, I, I get it. It's probably not what Sixer fans are, like, reading into it as. Um <laughs> I'll tell I you what, know. Stephen A. I feel Smith like a lot said, of Sixer fans just need to stop tweeting about Ben Simmons. You know, he's not on the uh, team anymore. Let the Nets panic over that stuff. It's it's kind of a bad look almost. Like, like but, just get over it. You know, he's gone. You got James Harden. It you we won the trade. I think it's fair to survive. As of now, I I don't know about it. Now, there's some risk factor there. I I get it, but like. Brooklyn's about to get swept out of the playoffs. I think we can all enjoy that without, like, needlessly piling on Ben. The dude had a back injury. It happens. He hasn't played in a year. It's probably not smart to throw him out there when you just... The lack of continuity is already such an issue for that team. They're already just coming apart at the seams. There's really no reason to throw another new guy in there who needs the ball and who plays such a unique style. So... Even if he was healthy, it probably didn't make sense to put Ben in. If he's, like, back soreness, whether it's real or, like, quote-unquote back soreness, there's really no reason to play him. So I'm I'm not, like, freaking out or I don't want to call Ben, you know, a liar or say he doesn't have any competitive fire or whatever. It's probably smart to hold him out. <laughs> well, I'll say this, Chris. Uh, Stephen A. Smith of ESPN ha- basically called, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but basically said this is one of the most ridiculous things that he's ever seen and one of the weakest moves outside of probably Kevin Durant going to the the um Golden State Warriors that he's like he's calling Ben saying Ben quit on LSU, saying that he quit on the Sixers and right now he's not showing up for the Nets. And it's it's a real issue. I, I you know, I think this kind this, you know, you could say that it's the back injury. I, I don't know, Chris. I honestly don't know. It seems like an issue. It might be it might be a back injury. It might be mental health. We really don't know. But it's not a good look for Simmons. It's not a good look for the Nets. And like you said, right now, the Sixers have clearly won the trade. That could certainly change if Simmons actually starts playing. But we don't know when that will be. 
Yeah, like, I, I, I think it's a little constant, and I don't blame ba- fans for tweeting about it because after all the stuff that he put Philly through, I think fans will always just heckle him and turn and, and unless he actually shows out in Philly or like if he hits a three in Philly, like that, uh, you know, as a on a different team, then yeah, the fans will probably yeah. continue to heckle him. Like it's just it's Philly fans. We could say it's a bad look, but honestly, I kind of don't blame him. I'm yeah, sure your eye no. would probably have the same sentiment as well. I get it. But, like, I see a lot of, like, oh, I'm so glad we don't have to worry about this anymore. But it's like, then why are you tweeting about it? Why Why are you... Because it's like a relief thing, man. I know, but I don't know. It, it's just, it's really, I just don't feel like it's worth the discourse. The amount of discourse around it seems disproportionate to the player and the circumstance. Like, the guy never should have played in game four anyways. There, there's never really a good reason to play him, especially down 0-3. Like, series is over. Steve Nash is getting his, his like, Ami Odoka is just coaching circles around the guy. Kevin Durant's having his worst series since OKC. Kyrie has disappeared the last two games. They have no chemistry, no continuity. There's no good reason to throw Ben out there. It's just an unnecessary risk, and it's not going to really help anything, I don't think. So... I, don't, I just don't honestly know if it's worth the conversation. But I will say, Boston scares the living hell out of me. Uh, well, I think with the Embiid injury, we probably don't have to worry about it. But Boston, yeah, they could certainly. It's the, yeah. Look, whoever's going to win the Miami, I mean, not the Miami, the Boston-Milwaukee uh, series is probably going to end up going to Eastern Conference. I mean, the yeah. NBA Finals. I, let's Let's be real. Like, with Joel's injury... Like, we could be as optimistic as we want here. But like you said, this is the same injury that kept Bam out for seven weeks. We expect Joel to not be able to train this offseason or at least not be able to shoot this offseason with that hand. It's a shooting hand. Like, and I, I, you're, you, you remember in our Twitter chat, Uriah sent us that video of that guy who basically explained the injury to us. Uh, the doctor in detail and it's not a good injury like it's going to take a long time and it's going to affect his shooting his rebounding his ability to dribble like all of it yeah so it's it, like as much as i would like to think like if joel was healthy yeah i give us a pretty good shot against miami right now probably not yeah but I, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see even if joel was healthy and they got past miami with with how boston looks right now boston or milwaukee like it's a over Philly in a series like Boston assuming they don't have any injuries they're they look like one of the best defenses we've like flat out ever seen like they're defending so well on every level they have like seven eight really high level defenders in that rotation like everyone is playing their part unlike Brooklyn they're really well connected and on the same page and they're doing everything together Jason Tatum has like straight up put the clamps on Kevin Durant and is outplaying him offensively have we ever seen it. this happen to Kevin Durant before? No, we haven't. No, I mean, especially not since he, like, not since, the like, Golden early State. in his career, at least. Yeah, yeah. so. Like, I think like, last time we saw this was when LeBron did it in 2012, right, in the finals? Yeah, I think most people before the playoffs would have pretty confidently told you, like, Durant's probably the best player in the world right now, and that's why Brooklyn has a chance. And they completely He can't. I, I don't think you can. You can say that anymore. I don't think he is the best player in the world. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what they do against Giannis. Obviously, like Al Horford, Rob Williams, those guys are going to 
play a big role in how they, they game plan around Giannis in the next round. That, mm-hmm. that's, Tatum's that's not a bad matchup on Giannis either. Like, Tatum's physical enough. That We were all like, Boston and Brooklyn is going to be the best series of the first round. I think Boston and Brooklyn is going to be the real, like, heavyweight battle. Boston, you mean Boston-Milwaukee? Yeah, Boston-Milwaukee. Yeah. Even with... Yeah. Obviously, the Middleton injury stinks, and that, that's like a really big hole for Milwaukee offensively. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how well they recover from that against a Boston defense that's so good. At that's a good point, because I forgot about his injury. With that injury, I think you can say that Boston's the heavy favorite, because without Middleton, like, I, you I can put say, the... Cl- yeah, I would say Boston's the favorite, but um, I don't know. It's starting to feel like Giannis is probably the actual best player in the world. And if he is doing Giannis things, despite that defense, it could be a really fun series. It could be Boston in five. So let me let me ask you this, Chris. Before the Embiid injury, do you think Embiid was playing like the best player in the playoffs? Yeah, it's probably between him and Giannis, right? Like, yeah, they're probably the two candidates. Um, but with this injury, I mean, we can't, we don't know what we're going to get for Joel. Hopefully he could play through it. You know, hopefully quarter zone shots, whatever they got to do, you know, yeah. pain management wise. But I mean, there's always going to be that instability there. There's going to be that injury The like, could, could the say, Sixers, Sixers could still squeeze past Miami. Sure. But it's going to be a lot tougher. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, like Joel's just flat out bad in game four, right? He mm-hmm. obviously. Well, no, he wasn't bad. Out. He was just bad by his standards. Yeah. Okay. By, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty rough sailing for him. Yeah. Um. So I, the answer is probably, in all fairness, Giannis at this point, or like Jordan Poole, but <laughs> it's a joke, but almost not really a joke. I don't um, think he looked great today, but no. yeah, we you know what. We could go to the Western Conference bracket here, Chris. Which which series is your the most interesting to you on the West side? Well, I, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Memphis and Minnesota. Yes. A fascinating series. I'm feeling good about my Memphis and seven pick. That kind of feels like where we're going. I just don't know if Minnesota can execute enough in a game seven, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting if New Orleans can win game four with, with Devin Booker out, then that would be pretty, pretty exciting stuff. I, I really like the Pelicans. I, it's a fun team that's been winning quite a lot since the CJ McCollum trade. I, I don't think they're going to lose that series. Ultimately, I think Phoenix is still probably good enough without Devin Booker to maybe even get to the conference finals, but That'll be interesting. If the Pelicans win game four and they do it with, you know, they do it convincingly, that would be pretty fascinating stuff because they're a pretty good eight seed. Like, I know they were really the nine seed, but they have a couple of really high level players. Their bench is all playing well. They have a lot of spunk and swagger, mm-hmm. and that, that's a real team. So, yeah, I, and you know, the argument, people have made the argument, oh, the Sixers might have been better if they just traded Ben for CJ Rocco versus, you know, trading Ben Curry and Drummond for, you know, James Harden and Paul Millsap. But I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't rightfully know if they would be better. May, yeah. May, I, may, but, but like, I just, yeah, I this series is definitely making you wonder that. 
for sure. I, I, I would I would say that CJ would probably take away some from Maxi, but at the same time, CJ has looked really good. Yeah, I, so. I mean, I, CJ, I think, would be a weaker defender than James has been so far. That's, mm-hmm. like, another guy defenses can target. And, like, James is, for all the troubles with his shooting, like, his patience and ability to, like, keep things cool under pressure has been super important for this team, especially in Game mm-hmm. 3. That was a mm-hmm. prime example in the first half of Game 3. He basically kept Philly in the game. So, I think James is still a better player than CJ for all his faults and issues and all the ugly block shots and whatever. I, I think they really need James's playmaking, especially with whatever's going on with Joel. Like they're probably going to need to do more like on the move, get him going downhill in the pick and roll stuff, as opposed to just giving Joel the ball at the top of the key and asking him to create for himself. Mm-hmm. I, I think even more is going to probably fall on James and Tyrese moving forward. Mm-hmm. We'll ultimately see, but yeah, I, I I think James was the preferable choice still. So well, what do you th- what do you think about your vote for MVP and Jokic in this this Warrior series? Um, I I don't think anyone can honestly watch that and be like they're losing because of Jokic. You know what I mean? Like Jokic yeah. at thirty seven eight and six on sixty six percent shooting today. Like Jokic is awesome. I but he just has no help. Then that's honestly the situation. You know what I mean? Like the guys around them just haven't shown up. They're in roles that are too big for them because they're missing their second and third best player. And Golden State is like a buzzsaw. So I feel fine. Jokic is one of the two, three best players on the face of the earth. So it, I, I, I'm no, I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Chris, what do you think of? Well, we said we talked about Memphis and the Timberwolves. We talked about the the Warriors and you know Mavericks. We talked about Phoenix and the Pelicans. What series are we missing here, Chris? I'm 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 struggling. Uh, Dallas and Utah. Dallas and Utah. Yeah, that's kind of not been like that's been my least favorite series to watch. To be honest, Chris, not feeling yeah. it. Um, I I think it's. Probably going to be more fun now that Lucas back. Like, obviously, he had a really great game in game four, even though Dallas ended up losing. I, I think Utah not just completely falling apart and losing the series in five is kind of a credit to them because it really felt like that was where this was going. It kind of felt mm-hmm. like they were just unraveling. And um, obviously, like, there's something kind of poetic about the game running shot being a Donovan Mitchell lobbing it up to Rudy Gobert. There's been a lot of talk about those two and whether they play off each other enough, whether Donovan is passing to Rudy enough, whether they're like friends. So Utah deserves a lot of credit for winning that game. It was the Luka comeback game too, and Luka played well and they still pulled out the victory. So that could go seven. It's tied to two. The Jazz on paper are still a pretty good team, even though they just can't defend anyone on the perimeter. And Mike Harley looks like an old man. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like they they have one good defender on the team, pretty much. And that's yeah. not a great way to win. A, <laughs> well, OK, series. no, Royce O'Neal's not bad. And neither is uh, Dan, Daniel House. Not Daniel. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not and, good. Look, Donovan Mitchell has been like a turnstile, and Mike Conley's old, like you said. They, they're just not stopping anyone on the perimeter. Jalen Brunson's no. having the 
like four game stretch of his life. Jalen Brunson is going to yeah. get paid this off season. I don't know by who. Who looks like New York's interested in him, but like yeah, Dallas. Some like it should be Dallas. <laughs> it should be Dallas, but you know how Mark Cuban can be sometimes. Um, yeah. I I think yeah I think. I was ex- I, okay. I'll be surprised. I'll, I'll be honest. I was surprised that Luca played 34 minutes. That seemed like a lot coming back from an injury. Um, Chris, I don't know what to make of this Dallas team. Like, I feel like they're one good wing away, and I know they're missing who is yeah. it? Tim Hardaway Jr. But he, he, like, if you could get like, okay, there's Tim Hardaway Jr. and then you have like a t- then the next tier is like Tobias Harris level player. Like if you could switch, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. for Tobias Harris level type player, then I think you're really cooking. But I don't know how you get that type of player because I don't think Philly would trade him to to Dallas, at least not for anything that they'd be willing to give up. I I don't know, Chris. It's a tough one. Like you need, I think they need that wing guy, and they don't have it. I mean, I guess Luca can be that wing guy now because you got Brunson, but like. I, yeah. I feel like they're, I don't know. I feel like they're one player, one or two players away. Maybe like a better big man than Dwight Powell or you know Maxi Kleber, but like they're they're one or two players away, and I can't. I don't know what they're missing, but they're yeah. missing something. I I don't know if they're gonna win a championship with Jalen Brunson as their second best player, but Luke is pretty insane, and he's been pretty much one of the best players in the postseason whenever he's been able to play in the postseason. So I I think the fact that they have like a really high level defense, like next to Boston, they probably have the best defense in the playoffs right now with how they're playing and the fact that Lucas back, they're gonna I, I would bet on them to beat Utah in this series in the end. And if Phoenix doesn't have Devin Booker, I think they could push the Suns just because Lucas they, they could. Awesome. They could. And they have the defense. Yeah, and you, you know what this this Dallas team kind of reminds me of? Uh, in a way, is like you have one really great player and a lot of good role players. Is is that O one Sixers team? The, like you had a eleven Mavericks. Oh, uh. I mean, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, Dirk was the guy, and then like, but that was like right at the end of his prime, Dirk. Yeah. But then you just had a lot of really good veterans. I mean, granted, this is kind of a young team, but like this, yeah, this this team could make a deep run. Like you said, if Devin's out for a while. It, the Suns are in trouble. Like, I still expect the Suns to beat the Pelicans, but like, could could they lose to the Mavericks in the second round? Absolutely. Yeah, I I still think the safe bet is either Phoenix or Golden State to come out of the West. But if yeah, Dallas could certainly push some teams. I I if Luca's healthy and they play defense like they've been playing, and Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson plays like he's been playing. And they get more out of Spencer Dinwiddie, like I, they could do some stuff. And like I know everybody wants Memphis to be the third team, that possibility, but they're just not. They're not ready yet, Chris. They're they're Memphis not. Has to get by Minnesota first. They're they're, they're, they're struggling get... to get by Minnesota. Which credit to Minnesota for actually making the playoffs and having a great turnaround this season. But and like, don't get me wrong, Cat is a good second option, and you know Ant is on his way to becoming a superstar. But that's still a really young team outside of uh, who was it, Patrick Beverly and who else? Like who's the? They they have like one other veteran on that team, and I can't remember who it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless you want to call like D'Angelo a veteran, 
I mean, he's been in the league since 2015. It's yeah. been like seven years. But yeah. yeah, no, no, I yeah, like okay. I think the thing is that part of the Timberwolves' problem is is that they still feel like Cat is their best player, or that's how the media is portraying it. He's not Chris. He can get cold. Their best player is Ant, and Ant just has to figure out how he can do it on a consistent basis. Um, yeah, I, I certainly think the ideal version of that team is like Ant is the best player. I don't know if it's fair to say he's quite there yet based on a few games. Like Cat was really awesome in game four. So Yeah, I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm just but, and you know, uh, your second best player can outperform your best player in certain games. I'm not yeah. saying that. So I, I certainly think there that might be where it's trending. Like I think Anthony's gonna be really good, but and if you have D'Lo as your third best player, I think that's a... Like, D'Lo... Okay, like, D'Lo is on the same level as Tobias Harris for me in terms of, like, ability. Like, where you would rank their stardom. Yeah, so, I, think, I think that's fair. So, yeah. No, I think, you know, having D'Lo as your third best player is... Uh, and I think he's already there as their third best player, but, like, if you can just figure out, like, Ant should be carrying that team. I think he's the best player, or potentially the best player. You just gotta. I think Minnesota is like a year or two from figuring it out. I like the. I like Jared Vanderbilt. I like Pat Bev on that team. You gotta get a little bit stronger bench because outside of Malik Beasley, you don't really have much. I mean, I don't. I actually think Tyrion Smith, uh, Prince is a little underrated, but like, you still need more development from what's his name the. Uh, Who's who's the power four that comes off the bench? Uh, McDaniel's. McDaniel's, yeah, yeah. He he has a couple, of you, and I think you need to upgrade the backup center position because as much as Nas Reed is a nice story, I I don't think he's a he's one of the better backups in the NBA. Yeah, I I think that's all fair. Um, all right, Lucas. Before before we go to the outro, let's just do gut check finals predictions. Who's playing in the NBA Finals this year, and who's winning it all? Who's playing in it? Right now, I'm going to say Boston from the East, and I'm going to say Golden State from the West. And who who do I think is winning it all? I'm, I'm going to give it to Golden State. I, Just I because of experience. Fair. Yeah. I think um, experience plays a role role there. Yeah, uh, it's tough, man. I I really want to like ride with Milwaukee because of Giannis, and uh, but Boston has been. I I do think like I, don't I think the Middleton the Middleton injuries play yeah. played the biggest part for me here, Chris. I think the Nets are really. Part of this is just Brooklyn is not a good team right now. They're just no, they don't they're have not the continuity. They don't have the coaching structure. They, they, they might need have. a new head coach. They might need a new head coach. Yeah, Chris. Steve Nash has just not done exactly what he's needed to. They've hadn't had the time together to really mesh. Like I, I think part of this is Brooklyn just not being where it needs to be. But Boston has a superstar in Jason Tatum. They have a number two guy in Jalen Brown, and their, their defense is just off the charts right now. And they're going to have home court in a Buck series. So, 
out. And with that, that Middleton injury, the Middleton injury is the biggest thing that I have to worry about because I don't know how long it's going to take for him to come back. And if he comes back, like how healthy, well, how long will it take for him to get back into his groove? Like yeah. you said, there's a lot of good defenders on that Boston team. Yeah. So I'll I, say Boston. it's a real concern. Yeah, I I think I think Boston Golden State might be the answer. So I'll I'll do that. Yeah, because that Booker that Booker injury is concerning. It it, it really is. It, I mean, frankly, Boston might even be the pick in that series. With but uh, I, I'm 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 I give it to the Warriors because they have championship experience. Yeah, Boston doesn't. That's that's where I'm at. But I wouldn't be mad if you said Boston anyway. Just because Boston can play, like, Rob, Rob Williams will not be exposed by that new small ball lineup that they have. Mm-mm. You take Al off, you play Tatum at the four, that they can still have really good defense and still, you know, like, that's not, that's not, or Grant Williams, like, either one. Like, you can live against that small ball lineup that Golden State can throw out, throw at you. Yeah. Out. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna say just, Warriors in seven. That's gonna be my yeah. take. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. I I think that's totally fair. I think. Yeah. I, <sighs> Obviously, injuries and stuff could change this. We'll probably have different feelings mm-hmm. in three days. But I'll go with Golden State Boston too. I think that's yeah. A good I I think that's a fair. I think that's fair. Sure again, I would pick Phoenix if I weren't for the Devin Booker injury. Like the Suns are yeah. really good, and they could still totally, even with the Booker stuff, they could come out of the West and make me look stupid. So I yeah, I don't they wanna, could. I don't want to shame the Suns or anything, but I'll go with Golden it, State in Boston. Yeah, I think it just. I, I think honestly, it just depends on when Booker comes back and how healthy he is when he's coming back. Yeah. Hamstrings are tricky. I think we're both anticipating him not being a hundred percent, even if he does come back. So. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But right. uh, I think, think, Chris, on that note, I think it's time for you to play us out. Yep. So to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. You can listen and give us a five-star review and all that fun stuff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. Or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing, what you want us to talk about, etc. So until later in the week, everyone, peace out. Have a good one. Go Sixers. We'll be back to talk game five. So, bye, everyone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.